She happens, y'all, but we got this. Commander-in-Cheek, Natalie Riddell here with my precious sister, Cousin Jane. Hi. I am excited about what we're going to talk about first, which is Ready? the fact that we're in California. West Coast. West Coast. And we literally just got in our pajamas and then looked at the and got ready for bed and looked at the time and what time was it <laughs> it was not six o'clock p.m yet <laughs> and i've never been so excited oh uh, yes we got right ready for bed and then we opened the curtains and we're like oh look the sun's still out <laughs> people are just starting to go home from work and go for a jog <laughs> Oh, the guy across over here, across yeah. from the hotel, is turning the grill on to cook dinner. Oh, good. That's a good but call. We're in our jammies, so don't you we're worry. We're ready to go to bed, but... And that's, that's why okay. they have Uber Eats. That's right. Because Jane and Natty <laughs> that's eats. That's right. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. Love it. Okay. Love it. So, here we are. Chic happens. It always does. We learned how to roll with it. Nobody rolls right. with chic better than we do. Am I right? That's right. Um, so here is the dealio. As much as um, we love doing the struggle videos, interior design stuff, all the things, really my most important feeling about having any kind of voice on social media or any kind of voice in life at all is to share my story of recovery. Um, absolutely. I, absolutely. And in February, I will have been sober for 12 years, which is crazy because Amazing. I literally drank two bottles of wine every night. Um, sometimes less, sometimes more pretty, pretty steady average two bottles of wine a night. Mm -hmm. Um, not my whole life, but a substantial for a substantial amount of time there right before I got sober. And recovery is can feel very lonely. And so I have tried to be open about my recovery, partly because my son Skylar has encouraged me to do so. Um, mm -hmm. Partly because it holds me accountable. Um, mostly because I hope it helps somebody else. Because mm -hmm. I think... I really didn't have people so much. Like, I think I would have really, it would have been helpful, especially early in my recovery. Like, if there had been Instagram mm -hmm. and I could have followed some accounts of people being open about it. Like, that I right. think, like, people that I go, I'd be friends with her. Like, she's a mom. Mm -hmm. She has a job and a marriage and a life and she's like doing this thing not that you have to have a job a marriage and a life to be sober right. but you know what I mean like that there are yeah. people out there with whom I would love to be friends that are also in recovery and you kind of don't feel like anybody else on the planet is doing that when you're in recovery right and it feels very isolating it's very isolating and um and I and also because there are you know, people feel ashamed mm -hmm. of themselves with it. 
I've struggled with that too. And I, I can talk some more about that, but um, it's not like you advertise it. So even though, even after I've been open my recovery, there've been so many people that I know now are in recovery, but I just never knew until I shared when they'd say, oh my gosh, you're sober. I am too, or my son is or whatever. Um, right. But it actually took me being open about it for people to kind of admit that for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I just also have found some things that have helped me in recovery. Like I've had a lot of lessons along the way. Um, mm-hmm. Basically all just self-taught or tools or things that I've implemented that I've seen have worked for me and that I kind of wish like, shoot, I only hit my head against the wall 15 times before I finally learned that. I wish somebody could have told me that before I hit my head 15 right. times, maybe just hit it five times. So mm-hmm. I just would like, if nothing else on this platform where we have all kinds of fun and laughter and all the good things, just to share some of that in hopes it might help somebody. Um, I also hope that if it, other people have other tools that they want to share, I'm always happy to keep learning. I'm mean, like, I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, as always, we hope you'll, if you want to subscribe, that's great. We're, I mean, my recovery story is who part of such a huge part of who I am and woven into my life. It's something we all, I always end up sort of somehow talking about a fair amount. Right. So, um, this is not an isolated podcast on it, but I did want before we did anything else with She Cappen's podcast to kind of get out these things that I feel like have been helpful for me in my recovery. But what I was going to say is also anybody here that wants to follow, either go on my website or follow along on my Instagram and message me if you have um, questions about recovery. Uh, Also info at Mm natalieriddell.com. If you have questions about recovery, if you have insight on your own recovery, if you need help with recovery, like we really try that, this, if I don't ever do anything else with my life other than help on this front, it's, mm-hmm. I will feel proud of what I've done. So we want yes. to help where there is help needed. So do not hesitate to reach out. You, you are not doing anything. I've probably not already done 12 times and you'd not be to be ashamed and God loves you and there is hope. And everybody's and, struggling and you don't have and to everybody's do it alone. struggling. You, you don't have to do it alone and you're not doing it alone even exactly. now. Right. Okay. So yep. here's, here's some things and no particular order that have been helpful to me. Um, one thing I know for certain about myself is, okay, I'm probably, I can already tell I'm going to cry. <laughs> my crying is part of my life. So this, my crying is not always sad. It's just, I feel stuff a lot, which is probably, I mean, is truly part of the reason I drink some anyway, I think was to numb. Like I feel things big and sometimes that's hard. Um, but so don't worry if I cry. Cause I usually like pee in my pants laughing 30 minutes later. So we good, but I, it's hard for <laughs> me right. to talk about some of this stuff. Right. Um, we have to talk about the hard one stuff. thing. And we have to talk about the hard stuff. Um, we have to talk about the hard stuff. Okay. So for 
me, and I'm not saying, as much as I love drama and can be a drama queen, this is not at all a way of my being dramatic. I am being a thousand percent honest when I tell you, if I ever drink again, I will not survive a relapse. I promise I will not survive it. I'm not, I just know myself enough to know I don't do anything mildly. I don't do anything small. It is go big or go home. I will be so, not will, I would be so consumed with grief. Uh, I mean, grief and guilt that I would drink myself to death. I'm not sure how long it would be, but knowing me, it would be fast and furious and I won't survive it. Mm-hmm. So everything about my recovery hinges on that. My life depends on it. And when I mm-hmm. frame it that way, because I believe that, it makes all the things about recovery that can be awkward and hard or uncomfortable. I mean, recovery is a lot of sometimes hard things. But when you put it up against the fact like, okay, or you die, <laughs> you pick. Right. This is me saying to right. myself, you know, like, yeah, this part sucks. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, you wish you could have a cocktail with your girlfriends. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to be able to have a glass of wine with dinner. It would be nice not to be the one person that everybody looks at at the table at the wine tasting and you're uncomfortable or whatever the things are. Is is that our favorite thing? No. Okay, but do you want to have see your grandchildren maybe one day? Right. Yeah, you do. And it takes out a whole lot of the crap static. All of a sudden it comes very clear what I have to do. Does Skylar deserve to have a mama? Yep. This is not a hard, this is no longer hard. It dissolves that for me. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that, that I know that for a fact for me. And that has actually been a helpful thing for me because literally my life depends on it. And I, from what I know about other people in recovery, even if maybe you wouldn't drink yourself to death, like I think I would, um, Mm -hmm. it, you know, going back out using drugs and drinking, you will lose your job. You will lose your marriage. You're, you can break the relationships with your children. Mm-hmm. It's not the life you want to live for most people, right. I would say. So even if you're not dead, the life you had will be gone for the most part. I, for me, at least, and the people that I know. Okay. So a huge thing for me, and I believe in God and take my faith very seriously and give God. God, the credit through amazing grace that I am still here and in recovery. But I feel like even if whatever it is that you believe in, some kind of higher power, I feel like that is crucial because recovery is so hard. And even with all the tools, even with all the things, all the thoughts, all the whatevers, you hit spots where you don't, you want to give up. And I am, I don't think I personally have the strength without God's being on my side to do it. You hit spots Mm -hmm. that are hard AF. And if I didn't feel like, okay, but God wants you to have a sober life, 
God's got you. You don't, you maybe don't, you have it. (laughs) You may not be strong enough for this, but God is. So lean on him and hold on. Just hang on. Because there Mm -hmm. are days and times where that is literally all you can do. Um, And so I know that's bigger than I am and that I have to lean on God for that. So finding, I feel like being in recovery is, it's important to have a higher power and believing Mm -hmm. in something where you can call on something outside of yourself to keep you sober. So there's that. Yes. And it also, for me, means getting to church, you know, having friends that also have their faith, having family that have their faith, because you also, just like everything in life, recovery taken out of it, there are days where it seems really easy to believe in God and have faith and life seems good. And there are days where you're like, what the hell? Why I, Why did God desert me? <laughs> or this mm-hmm. crap is stupid and hard and I don't believe in it anymore. So it's important to have people around you that when you're having those days, do still believe and can help you remember why you do. Um, Another essential thing for me, which I mean, I I say over and over and it still happens now is my son, Skylar, you know, I have one son, he's 20. Um, he saved, he has saved my life on more than one occasion. And, um, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I think you have to have a thing that like one thing that happened to me in recovery and it took me a really long time to sort of reframe this for myself and I would say even occasionally I slip back into the bad habit of these thoughts but especially early in recovery it's like I don't even deserve to be sober like I'm just a waste of potential um I mean it's not even worth the the work you know um I'm not worth the work is how I felt. But Skylar is. And so they, I know like there are things that people say about recovery that don't always, haven't always fit for me. Um, sort of like, you know, these are the things you should be doing. And I have felt in my recovery before, like we, but I don't want, I don't feel like I want to do that. And am I bad at recovery? <laughs> Literally like I've had that feeling before. And like one of those things is um, you should never get sober for other people. People will say that to you. Right. My problem is I never felt like I deserved it. Like, I mean, I didn't think it was worth that. Skylar, on the other hand, deserves a sober mom. And truthfully, right. the first couple years of my sobriety, if I hadn't had so- Skylar, I wouldn't have been sober. It wouldn't have been worth it to me. It's too freaking hard but fighting for Skylar made it a lot less hard mm-hmm. and um I've told this story before um when we moved from rich we, you know I'm from Florida and when Skylar was in sixth grade we moved to Richmond and I guess I hate math and I get years all wonky but I had been sober for a couple <laughs> years and I was very open about my recovery in Florida in my hometown partly because my family had an intervention. I went to rehab for six weeks. Right. It wasn't a big secret in my small town. Um, right. Partly because after I was sober, I just was open about it. Um, because I did just try and 
be that way with it. But when we moved to Richmond and Skylar was in sixth grade, I was like, I never said it out loud, but in my mind, I was thinking all along like, okay, this is kind of cool because we can move and like Skylar doesn't have an alcoholic mom. Mm-hmm. Like, how nice is that? Now, I, I didn't feel like I had any problem personally sharing about it, but I'm like, oh, this is so cool that he won't, not everybody will know in sixth grade that he has an alcoholic mom. Yay for him. So we move and I'm like, I'm not, I'm just, just not going to mention it. You know, we'll just roll on. And, um, Mm -hmm. a couple of things happened. One thing that happened was because in my hometown, everybody knew that I was an alcoholic. I didn't get invited to a lot of things. I didn't go to margaritas, sauce and margaritas on, you know, Mm-hmm. Thursday night with the girls anymore. People didn't drink, bring wine when they came over to our house for dinner. Like people were like, you know, sensitive about that. When we moved, nobody knew. And it was shocking to me, how, like people, how many people would like bring wine over, invite us to cocktails, take us out to dinner and have wine. And I was sort of, it threw me off for a little bit because it was the stress mm-hmm. of moving. And I have some social anxiety, so like meeting new people, moving from my hometown, starting over, and then mm-hmm. also trying to kind of cope with the not drinking. And it felt, I felt like, oh my God, there's alcohol everywhere. And I finally was like, oh, nobody here knows that I don't drink. <laughs> so right. that, you know, that's what people do. I just forgot what normal people do. Um, that That's just a little bit of an aside. But um, anyway, so we hadn't been moved too terribly long. And Skylar had some friends over. I tried really hard. I loved, I mean, he's in college now. Like, I miss his friends as much as I miss Skylar. Because, like, I just love being the mama, like, the hub. And having his yes. buddies over. And he's an only child. So, like, I've always, I, I love having, like, his friends over. You know, so he has company there. And I love being the house where all the kids go. Um, So, they were, he had some buddies over. And they were all down in the kitchen doing something. Sitting around the kitchen island. And I was upstairs and I was coming down the stairs and um, I don't know what brought the conversation on, but I heard Skylar say to all them, um, oh no, it's good. My mom, actually, I'm so proud of her. She, we, she doesn't even drink alcohol. She's been sober for like five years or whatever at that point, maybe four, three or four years. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It leveled me. I mean, he was, he was like, I'm so proud of my mom. She doesn't drink. We don't have alcohol in the house. She's, you know, she gets like, like, I'll just, I'll never forget that. And I thought, I I just stood on the landing thinking, here I am thinking he'd be ashamed, ashamed of me Mm -hmm. when like, that's the thing he's most proud of me. Mm. So I had a real serious, like, come to Jesus, like. Shame on you, shame. <laughs> if Skylar's not ashamed of me, then hang on, no, I'm not ashamed of me. You know right. what I mean? Um, it really changed things for me. Right. It really, it really reframed things for me to feel like Skylar would be so proud of me. And what he always says is, it's like a joke for us now. He's like, mom, it's a big freaking deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mom, it's a big deal. And I have a tendency to, um, because he's now that he's in college, it doesn't happen as much. But like, if my February 
sober anniversary was coming and we'd be caught up in stuff and I'd have designed and you know I had some big window treatment install and he's got basketball practice and we're running crazy and he'd be like mom we're getting your chip today and I'm like we'll go I'll go blah 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 and he's like mom it's a big freaking deal like you're going we're going he's he would go with me um because one thing I think it is a big deal. And one thing I think, like, people always celebrate their birthdays, and we don't do anything for that. You worked so hard. Like, you have to celebrate it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. To, to celebrate all the hard work you've put in and, you know, the grace that God's given you and mm-hmm. the motivation that Skylar gives you. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And honestly, unless you've been in recovery like I, I just can't appreciate what each mm-hmm. of the days how hard some of those days are you know mm-hmm. how many of those moments are you just are so close to throwing it all away and you don't mm-hmm. um so it's a big freaking deal because it's like mm-hmm. it's not like making the right choice once it's like making the right choice a million times a day <laughs> Over and over, even in the hardest mm-hmm. circumstances. And you know, I've had some really, we've been through some difficult things in my recovery. Mm-hmm. Things that if you asked me before, I would say, I'm not going to make it. There's right. no way I would make it through that without drinking something. And I've made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've made it because of my recovery. You know I mean? Um, so anyway, it's the thing about... The thing about alcohol for me, well, I just, I think in general, is it's a way to cope. Right. And it's a way to numb stuff. And like, the problem is the things you numb, you don't heal them. You don't deal with them. It's not like Mm -hmm. you don't feel them and they dissolve into thin air. You don't feel them and they're still there (laughs) when you come out of it. And after years of doing that, you compound that, you know, all that pain. And really the only way to heal is to feel the pain. And you've heard me talk about that before. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I truly believe about like grief and pain. I've dealt with all those since in sobriety. I've also dealt with them while I was drinking. You cannot get around it to really heal you can postpone it, but you cannot go under it. You cannot go over it. You cannot go around it. So really the only way to heal is to feel the pain. Right. Um, and drinking and drugging just postpones that. So you can't heal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing is when you stop and you let yourself, like now I feel like when I'm having, when I'm going through something hard and feeling the pain, I'm actually like, I'm healing <laughs> like this hurts. It sucks. Right. I mean, it's like, like Jane broke her, had a car, really bad car accident and is like dealing with the physical therapy and all that. And it hurts, but it's like, okay, this hurts, but mm-hmm. is part of the healing process, which mm-hmm. makes it feel different, you know? Um, so I have gotten to where I don't resent it as much. And like, I'm almost like, okay, you're having a hard day. Like, just cry it out because you are moving forward. You're not stuck. Like, this is part of the healing. Mm-hmm. Um. So, anyway. Okay. So, there's that. Another thing that I have found about myself, because I am a hopeless romantic, <laughs> is it is very easy 
and I have what my mom calls like selective memory. <laughs> I always remember things framed in a really lovely package. And then sometimes people around me are like, uh, that is not how that shit went down. And I'm like, wait, no, but yes, huh? Uh, yeah, now <laughs> you remember what you wanted to remember and not all the things. So I also, on the other side of that, all the, oftentimes I do this still a lot. This is something I have to deal with a lot. I'll be like, oh, look at those cute girlfriends, you know, out for wine and cheese and going dancing and so cute and fun. Or how nice would it be to have a glass of wine at dinner with my husband or, you know, cocktails on the town, whatever. I And I remember my cute self being so fun on the dance floor, having a lovely time. Mm-hmm. I forget throwing up in the bathroom mm-hmm. or blacking out and saying something mean to my best friend or wetting the freaking bed or driving drunk home Mm -hmm. or leaving my credit card in a bar again. I forget all that. I forget. I wrote so like it's romanticizing it. Like I'll remember, I'll see like the commercials on TV, Kendall Jackson and everybody's cute in their sweaters and Adirondack chairs sitting around the fire, fire pit by the lake. And I'm like, Oh, look at them being cute and classy with their wine. I was not cute or classy with my wine. I mean, it might have been for a glass or two, but there was nothing cute or classy by the second bottle. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I have to kind of try and remember that when I start going down that path. Like, right. yeah, sometimes it looked like that, but usually that was the first quarter of that evening and the last three quarters weren't cute. So anyway, I, that's something that I have to kind of sadly remind myself about sometimes. Another huge, huge part, and I think a lot of, I mean, everybody, a lot of people who deal with addiction and alcohol um, have it somehow related to mental health things, like self-medicating mm-hmm. or whatever for depression, anxiety. I have all the things. ADD, shocking. I know. Everybody needs to just sit down <laughs> And process the level of shockwaves that I have ADD. So slash brand I am new breaking, breaking news. news. Hashtag you heard it human, here first. <laughs> human ping pong ball. I mean, is there a better analogy? Probably not. Okay. So ADD, which as much as we joke about, is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is really hard to live with. And it is really hard to deal with and requires a lot of my energy to Mm -hmm. not find myself with the dishwasher open, three emails, half sent, half folded laundry. Always I'll be exhausted because I've worked my tail off. I haven't finished anything. I can't remember what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? This is me not taking, this is me not treating my ADD. I start this, it's back to this self abuse thing. Really, Natty, you're a freaking grown-up. Can you not load the dishwasher? Can you really not load the dishwasher? And you didn't even send three of those emails, and your list hasn't even moved. You're exhausted. You can't even fold the laundry. This thing that happens, which then quickly tailspins me into depression, which I also Mm -hmm. battle. This is me not medicated at all. Actually, it's me still sometimes medicated. I have to work against it, but medicated is way better than not medicated. So anyway, that is the thing with which I struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And I also 
always feel like I have 12 mental tabs open and I have to almost be like disciplined about closing. I'm like, okay, you're cl- <laughs> I have to picture myself, like close that tab, close that tab, close that tab so that I can, I mean, I have to actually like picture myself doing it. Like make that side quiet, make this quiet. I know it's crazy. This is me really like no. telling you how crazy I am. <laughs> um, so that is difficult. That is difficult, but medicine helps. Yeah. I've battled depression my whole life. Um, I can say I've had, I've struggled with it my whole life. I would say in high school, probably around my junior year is really when it showed its head. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some of that was with the ADD too, where I'm like, I know I'm smart, but like, why can't I sit at this library table and write this paper? This paper is easy to write. <laughs> I just can't write it. <laughs> um, so, and then I beat myself up. Like, really? Are you that right. incompetent? It's not even hard to write it and you can't write it. The badness, the darkness comes back in. Um, so mental health. And then I also have social anxiety, which is part of the reason like, that was part of the drinking too. I'm like anxious about going places. Then I have a cocktail. So, you know, I worry I'm going to say something stupid. So I take mm-hmm. four shots of vodka to only a hundred and thousand, ten percent and sure I will say something stupid. <laughs> Don't even worry. <laughs> Full on guarantee. Money back guarantee, honey. Um, so anyway, mental, mental health is tricky. You know, um, I have been taking medicine since I think my junior year in high school, which means I would have been 16. Um, I have taken myself off medicine before and come the close to suicide that I've ever, I mean, I really almost did okay. do that. Not realizing, turns out my, my self appointed doctorate degree slash Google slash Google MD, web MD. <laughs> I know everything things that I, all my degrees, haha. Um, but where I'm like, I don't love this medicine or even more insane. I'm actually feeling better. I don't need the medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, newsflash, the medicine's working. That's why you don't need the medicine. And what I didn't know and learned the hard way, super dangerous, almost took my life away is like, if you're, let's say you're on a scale one to 10, I was at a two. As far as depression being a low, as mm-hmm. opposed to 10 being a high, good. Got on medicine, got to a seven, decided, look at me living my best life, even though I, mean, I really wasn't even then, but um, okay, I'm doing so much better. I've got this shit figured out. Let's, we're good. Took myself off the medicine. I didn't go back to a two. I went to like a negative two. I went, mm. like, it's not like you just, I, that, I mean, that doesn't happen with everybody. It doesn't, wouldn't happen with every medicine, but it's not uncommon. It's dangerous. And it's dangerous. It's the probably, it's one, to me, it's terrifying. Like, it, and I have people I care about that I see them even doing that. And I'm like, don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's scary. And even when you know better, when you're in that, you don't really know better. You, you, right. the feelings are real. You know, the darkness is real. And I, you've heard me talk about it forever. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like a dark and light thing Mm. and the light going out and the darkness eating the light, you know, and then having just a sliver of light. And one thing I learned after the darkness going out and the light hanging on and the light coming back, 
after that happened probably twice for me where it got really low, but I held on. I have gotten to where it's like that. I love that. The song when Paul Simon sings, hello, darkness, my old friend. Mm-hmm. Like I know the darkness and I are friends almost now. Um, or at least I know him. I don't know why he's a yeah. guy. There's a whole other it issue. Be I'm a sure. guy. That's fine. It's a guy. It's he, a dude. It's, but he, it's, it's, it's like, it's okay. He's back. <laughs> and I know he will come back again, but I mm-hmm. recognize him. And I know if I can hang on, this won't last forever. And it takes only surviving a couple of the dark things to learn that. But it's a, an important lesson. If you So I'm, if anybody out there feels like the light is going out, just hold on. Mm-hmm. You can get help and the light will come back and the, and the darkness will come back. But once you learn that the lightness can come back, there's, there's just always a sliver of hope, you know, right. and it does become like the darkness is your old friend because there's something almost oddly familiar about him mm-hmm. <laughs> when he comes back and I can recognize him. It doesn't mean I, ha- I mean, I, ha- I have to fight him. Right. Um, I have to face him and fight him. Um, and sometimes the fighting just means holding on till the next day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the ways you can prevent it, um, is medic medication mm-hmm. and counseling. Um, so mainly what I would say is getting help, mental health, mm-hmm. getting help. It's, I mean, it is not your fault, Right. It is literally connections that are not being made in your brain um, that are not your fault. And even when, you, like, I always even feel like, you know what, get yourself together. Like, you have so many blessings. You've been through some hard stuff. But, like, there are people out there fighting a lot harder battles. Like, pull yourself together. You don't even deserve to be feeling sorry for yourself. You cannot help it. The feelings are real. legitimate feelings. And honestly, for me, like the less they're justified, the more I beat myself up about it. Cause I'm like, now you're feeling sorry for yourself. Like get it together. But anyway, that shit is not made up and it can suck the life out of you. So I just encourage people. It is not something to be ashamed of. Um, no, definitely not. It, I actually, the way I see it sort of like Skylar says, mom, I'm so proud of you about being in recovery. Like I know what it takes to stay sober. I'm proud of me too. And really, the hard thing to do is, like, facing the mental illness. So really, the bravest thing you do is getting help. And you feel like, oh, I can handle this on my own. Hell no, you can't. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it doesn't – so you can get help. But, like, that's not the weak route. That's actually the brave facing it, getting better route. Right. Well, one thing that Koi Beth said – well, one thing, you know – our other sister cousin, my sister, Koi Beth, says all the time, and it's helpful for me um, whenever I'm dealing with any kind of mental health, you know, issues or anything. She says, as much as we'd like to think we are and that it is, we are and the world is not perfect. It's broken. And that's why we get sick. That's why, you know. All the things happen, and when we get a cold, we have to take medicine. Or when we, you know, get the flu or, you know, whatever it is, we have to take medicine. And it's the same thing with our brains. It's part of our bodies, and they're broken. It's a broken world. And 
you know, you don't blame somebody who goes to the hospital to get help because, you know, they slice their leg open or because, you know, they need antibiotics to help with an infection. It's the same thing, you know, you, you just right. got to get help. Not a, a strength, overcome it. It's not a you overcome it. You're bleeding out. <laughs> right. You need help. <laughs> Right. Um, so that again, this goes back to the um, email, like at info at natalieriddell.com or message me on Instagram. Info, the email is the best. I feel like I'm, I, I'm occasionally we get a lot, I get just a lot of messages. I just don't want to miss anything. But you know, if you have mm-hmm. questions about that or um, like we want to help you because. It's hard to go it alone, and sometimes you don't even know. I would say one one thing I would say about mental health and about recovery things, and I do not have a degree in this stuff. You know, I mean, my degree is life. Well, actually, Experience. I've been doing it for forty two years. All the things, so it's it's <laughs> it it that does count for that does count for something. But I've had since being in recovery, I get a fair amount of people say, "How do you know you have a problem?" And I think this applies to mental illness too, and. So I don't have like a, you know, a degreed answer in that to diagnose it. Mm -hmm. But what I Mm -hmm. always go back to is like, if you're asking that question, there's something troubling you. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't ask Mm -hmm. if you didn't feel concerned about it. Um, So if Mm -hmm. you're asking that question, it might be something you want to get help with, you know? Um. And I would also say, like, with the recovery things, like, when right. things right. that you that matter to you in your life, like your marriage, your job, your relationship with your kids, relationship with your family and friends, when things like that start to be compromised by your alcohol or drug use, that's, you know, when you start choosing alcohol or drugs over relationships with your best friends, your spouse, your job. I think that starts to be an unhealthy, starts to feel unhealthy. Anyway, that's Mm -hmm. just what I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I do feel like is important, and again, like all the things I'm saying are just suggestions or things that have helped me, but um, it is hard. It's important to have some friends that are also in recovery. And like, even if they aren't in recovery, like my best friend Sarah, my bestie. She is she is not in recovery, but she will not drink around me. And she mm-hmm. knows I'm in recovery, so she, she's like my a rock in that. You know, so it's not that she's in recovery, but like she's got my back. Like she is a solid mm-hmm. support for me in that. And like if I ordered a glass of wine in front of her, she'd probably punch me in the face. Yeah, I mean, she would do anything to help me protect myself from that. And and I can mm-hmm. be open with her about that. And, like, she's got my back. And so I'm, my, my main point is you don't have to necessarily have only friends that don't drink. But it is really important to have some people that you care about and spend time with that value your recovery as much as you do and can support you. Mm-hmm. And that you can feel open about it. You don't have to always be oh, no, I'm just, you know, not drinking tonight or whatever. There's something about, like, addiction feeds on secrets. 
Yeah. And sneaking and secrecy. And like you get really good at it. It's incredible how, I mean, we all know how like the first time you like tell a lie about something, even like when you're a kid, oh no, I didn't, you know, eat the cookie in the cookie jar. The first Mm -hmm. time you're like, oh my God, my mom's going to know. She's going to know. I mean, of course it has to do with eating cookies. I mean, is this a shock (laughs) that this is the one thing I would pick? There's so many things about which I could choose an example for lying and I'm picking cookies. And don't think we're not eating cookies after this. Next. Um, Okay. Yeah. Cookies. We are all about cookies. Snack. We are all about snacks. Snacks are life. Um, It's like the first time you tell that lie, it's like, oh, she's going to know, but you get away with it. And the next time you're like, yeah, no, I didn't eat cookies. By the third time you're like, hey, I don't know. I didn't eat cookies. You know, it's like, it gets way too easy to tell the lies. And in, in addiction and alcoholism, like you lie a lot, even if you don't think you are, you are, you know, Mm. um, when we moved from Virginia, this was shocking to me. Okay. So I started at the, like the last part of my, my, um, drinking days, I got to where I blacked out a lot. I blacked out probably most times. Um, I also think I didn't act as drunk as I was. Because you just get kind of used to it or I don't know what, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I say that and I, it's not like I could see myself doing it, but, um, I really blacked out a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would have maybe two glasses of wine out of the two bottles and I don't remember at all mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I would find things where I'd be like, who put this here? Of course I'm like, uh, drunk natty put that there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it must've been drunk natty. Yeah. Um, and so mainly my point is like when we moved, um, from Florida, I was in the attic packing up the attic and I found so many empty wine bottles that I do not even remember Jane going up mm. the ladder, mm. putting them like under the insulation next to the ladder mm. and hit them. I don't even remember doing that. I don't even remember That's it. crazy. Um, like, that's crazy. You know, I mean, yeah. that's just, and like, and that was from me just being a single mom with Skylar. And I guess I didn't want Skylar to see the wine bottles. I don't even remember right. thinking it through. Um, it's, it's just crazy. Um, but that's kind of like sneaking around. Like, right. you know what I mean? That's just so yucky. Right. Um, anyway, drunk Natty, like, could have been a Bond girl. Like James Bond level, <laughs> sneaky, s- sneaky sniper, hiding stuff, climbing up ladders, hiding wine bottles. She is no joke. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Okay. So another thing that's a big deal because it's my favorite thing in the world is isolating. Uh-huh. I'm an introvert. Everybody, anytime I ever say that I'm an introvert because it's almost funny to hear myself say it because, you know, I seem like the social butterfly of the century, <laughs> but being around people sucks the life out of me. Mm-hmm. And it took me some years. Like I always thought an introvert is in the library in the corner, quietly reading a book, not making eye contact. An extrovert mm-hmm. is in the center of the dance floor, dropping it like it's hot, making sure he's fabulous and fun. And I am that girl. <laughs> that is not introvert and extrovert. An intro- right. introverted versus extroverted is where do you, ex- where does your energy get refurbished? Mm-hmm. If being around people 
makes you feel energized, you're an extrovert. If being alone with downtime gets you refurbished, you're an introvert. So I'm, I think what they even would call like an omnivert. There's something that's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we have to put a title on it? I don't know. I'm crazy. No. How about that? <laughs> How about cray no. Cray? no titles or whatever, but like they, um, I'd say I'm an extroverted introvert because I am mm-hmm. a social butterfly. I'd like to be the life of the party, but then I go home and like can't make a sentence. It uses me up big time. Right. And if I don't get myself home mm-hmm. to regroup and refuel, it's bad. Like, I mean, I get, I get really stressed. I get frazzled. I get emotionally upset about stuff. I've now I've learned that about myself. It just took me a long time because I, I never knew that about myself really until probably well into my adult age mm-hmm. that you just need to go home. <laughs> You're used right. up. You know, I, I it never even, I never even processed that and learned that was a huge life lesson for me to realize like, you just need a minute. And I always feel like whenever I get overextended, I think I am never going to be normal again. I am so whatever is beyond I'm overextended. I'm overextended, overextended. I'm never mm-hmm. going to be straight in my head again. And it doesn't take me long to get home, be by myself, regroup. And I'm like, okay, wait, I think we're going to make it. We're going to live to fight another day. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take me that long, but it has to happen, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so there is a fine line between protecting that part of me where I need mm-hmm. quiet downtime. I also think it's partly why I like Instagram. I have done well with Instagram because I can be home safe, protected, not being used up, but not mm-hmm. completely isolated. I can still be connected to people, but right. I can do it on my time and I can do it for how long I can handle it. Um, I can kind of control that exposure for myself. So I think that's partly why I like Instagram. Uh-huh. And that it works for me that way, you know, because uh-huh. the thing I was going to say that I ha- can have a tendency to do is isolate. Uh-huh. And one thing that has helped me not do that is like exercise is huge. You know that I would say for me, that's uh-huh. like a life saving tool. Yes. But I do really well to go to like an exercise class. Uh-huh. I don't want to go. I don't even like to talk. You've seen me. I'll be like, don't yeah. be trying to talk to me. I'm not talking. Just because we're next to each other in this class, I do not want to talk to you. I mean, I, it's, I feel bad even saying that. But I'm like, I don't want to be your friend, but I need to maybe make eye contact with people and get out of my house and get out of my head um, so that I don't isolate myself. And I, some of it is just recognizing that. And like like my best friend, Sierra, she'll be like, um, I've called you two days in a row. I've texted you like I'm in your freaking driveway. I'm coming in there for a, a Diet Coke because right. she recognizes that too. You know what I mean? And that's again, back to the thing where you have people around you that kind of know your signs too, where it's mm-hmm. like they recognize it. Cause some, you know how sometimes you're in it and you don't even see it. And then somebody will be like, okay, but we haven't seen you in X amount of days or like, you know, you just stop showing up or whatever. Right. Where they can kind of be like, are you okay? Like, I know when I don't, when you don't text me back for three days, like, I'm going to come over, period. Right. Just so you know. Um, So the isolating thing is, and I think that's also why things like AA meetings are helpful to people. Where you're 
have to go. You get out of your house. You get out of your head. Like it's almost impossible to go to an AA meeting and not help you feel better. Mm-hmm. Some of it too is just not feeling alone. Um, okay. I know we're kind of getting close on time. I could talk about this for literally ever. <laughs> um, let me think. Well, I'll, let me, I will say about the, um, exercise part of it's like the endorphins and the stress release. Some of it for me is like managing my weight. Um, but there, like some of the things I'm talking about as far as like, um, mental, like, you know, dealing with mental illness things, not romanticizing, like feeling all the things. Those are all like long-term things, but I think Mm -hmm. it's important to have some, other tools in your tool belt that literally when you are backed in a corner and want to do a tequila shot because mm-hmm. you need something like that, you know, like you're really in a stressed place. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. of course, I think of taking a tequila shot to fix the stress. What is something that will quickly get you back from the edge? And I think you have to find that thing for yourself. But like for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's exercise. Like if I put on my tennis shoes, and put Scarlet on a leash and just go for a walk or just go to an exercise class or go for a run. I mean, really, literally within minutes, I can feel better. I at least come mm-hmm. back from the edge some. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and long term, too, I j- it makes me feel stronger and proud of myself. And, like, mm-hmm. it helps me deal with my il- mental illness things. So it may not be exercise for you. I think people have to kind of find their thing. But that's a thing that, like, can quickly bring them joy. And sort of be a stress reliever. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say exercise is a great place to start because I don't know many people that don't, you know, there are so many benefits you get from exercise, but Mm -hmm. finding early in your recovery, those things that can quickly kind of snap you back. Maybe it's calling somebody. Um, Another thing my mom told me, I remember exactly where I was standing my junior year in high school when I was really struggling with the depression things before we knew that's what it was. I was, I went to boarding school and I just kept, I always called it homesick. Like I was really homesick in retrospect. It, I know now it really, that was the depression. I didn't know what else to call it because I was homesick. Um, but that was such a bigger thing than homesickness alone. Um, so like in retrospect, I'm like, you know, I thought I was so, so homesick and it's not that I wasn't homesick, but that darkness was really the depression too. And mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with my mom and this has been a huge life lesson. This, this recovery or not, you know, mental illness or not. Remember my mom saying to me, like, I was like, mom, I just can't get out from under this dark. Mm-hmm. I can't find the light anymore. You know? I don't know if I even used those words then, but I was not in a good place and thinking I'm homesick all the time after being there already three years. Like, I don't know, you know, it seems like I would be over it by then. Um, and I remember my mom said, do something to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's stupid as shit. I'm, I don't <laughs> want to help anybody. I need help. I'm not in a good place. Right. And she was like, Natty, go do something for somebody. Go do something for somebody. And that has been one of the biggest life lessons for me because like mm-hmm. it, 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 all the, for all the reasons, first of all, you help somebody. Second of all, it helps you refocus, you know, when you're kind of coming in on, in on yourself, mm-hmm. everything's so like self, cause you're in pain. Mm-hmm. 
it sort of refocuses you off of you, then also mm-hmm. you do help somebody and you feel better about yourself for helping somebody. So I mm-hmm. actually then started doing like, of course I love design stuff. So I would do Habitat for Humanity on the weekends or do the soup kitchen. I started regularly like signing up for the, like picking up trash on the side of the road. I know it sounds crazy, but no, I was at, I was at boarding school and I couldn't drive, you know, so, and they would have these opportunities on the weekend. So I'm like, I'm just going to start doing stuff to help people. And you can do little things. I mean, I would like, you know, do something nice for your roommate right then. Right. But right. I started just regularly kind of trying to have this heart of like, helping other people. And that was something that really did help. That was not, I mean, that's not a medication thing. It's almost like a a mental state, you know? And so even if it's just a little thing to do something nice for somebody, like sometimes I'll just be like, I'm paying for that person's Starbucks because I'm like having a bad day and I'm going to, it'll make me feel better. And I know it'll make them happy. So that's something else that I feel like is kind of a cool way to, um, well, and it doesn't make you sound crazy. It makes you sound incredible and doing good things for other people is brings you joy and that's therapeutic. I mean, right. You can't do something nice for somebody else and not feel the joy that that brings you. You know what I mean? Right. The joy that that brings and that, that in and of itself is therapeutic. That's the light fighting against the dark. See, I love you. I love you so much. (laughs) Um, and so, I have other things that I can share and will share, but we are almost at our hour time time limit of hearing me ramble on, ramble, ramble, (laughs) ramble on. Um, But anyway, so most of our podcasts at She Happens will be funny, (laughs) er, um, but I it will be funnier, and um, but I really do feel like this is an important thing for for, it is for me to talk about, but also maybe if it falls on some ears that might be helpful. And um, we will do more of these. I will do more sp- of other recovery podcasts and probably we'll do another one after this because I mm-hmm. feel like we do probably want to get closure on this. Yeah. But again, um, subscribe if you want to learn more about beauty products and crazy, the crazy antics and things we try and recovery. We love having you guys here. Like, um, a huge part of my recovery and strength and recovery and even coping with things like my husband's Parkinson's disease and some of the other things I've been through come from the relationships I've formed and what I feel like is like a badass girl tribe, not just women because we have guys too, but like they're, I have, made some really incredible relationships and y'all have supported me so much. And so Mm -hmm. I'm glad y'all are here. It means the world to me. And Jane and I get so much joy out of this community we've kind of built. And, um, hopefully some of this might stick and help somebody. And, um, again, like I was saying, I hope you'll subscribe. And also on Patreon, we have, you can sign up for our Patreon and it's Natalie Riddell. And we actually do go over, We'll kind of cover even deeper topics, sometimes probably a little bit more tearful, more intimate, maybe more mm-hmm. things about my husband's health struggles and my recovery struggles and, um, but funny stuff too. And that's five mm-hmm. times a month. We'll do an hour, um, an hour 
podcast that we'll share exclusively on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Natalie Riddell Patreon. And there's always my website, natalieriddell.com. Info at Natalie Riddell. Email if you guys have questions, comments, concerns, input, insight, love it all. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, probably like my main hub is Instagram at Natalie Riddell. Yes. Um, so we love hearing from you guys. We love suggestions for podcasts, all the things. And most importantly, because we know we know Sheik's going to happen. Y'all remember this week when Sheik happens, we've got this. <laughs>